tree was all the same I was under the sky, no new horizons Maybe there is no one else to folks, welcome back to the Campbell's Footballs Podcast. I'm Dr. Grant Campbell and I'm joined for this episode by a guy who's been having a really interesting journey in the Irish League so far. He's been at a range of different clubs. He's now uh, currently at Carrick Rangers on loan from Glentoran. It is the tricky winger that is Johnny Fraser. Johnny, a warm welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me, Grant. Looking forward to, to having a chat about, about the many clubs um, that I've had so far. You certainly had a, a very interesting last year or so because you just recently became a dad, didn't you, during this uh, pandemic? Congratulations. Yeah, thanks very much. It's actually, you know, it's been it's been a mental year for everybody. Um, and, and especially for me, you know, when when lockdown came about, I was living in an apartment with my, one of my mates. Um, and now I'm living, you know, I've bought a house and I've got a, a seven-week-year-old baby. Um, so, you know, there's, it's been a really great time for me, actually. COVID would sound a little bit strange, but it means I've been able to work from home um, permanently with, with my job, which has meant that been able to you know to be there um, and, and see a lot of my daughter you know growing and she's growing so quick um, and things that I, I might have missed when, I, when I've been at the office and work so you know always trying to get the positives in life and, and certainly one of the positives of COVID there's a lot of negatives of course as well but one of the positives I mean um, I've been able to be at home with, with my daughter and, and I'm loving it and when you become a dad for the first time it really changes your life doesn't it and it seems to me that you've really embraced that experience yeah I mean it's, it's crazy just you know, the second that wee baby comes out, just the, the love you have for it. Um, you know, everybody has said to me, you know, when, when Chloe got pregnant, was like, oh, you're going to need to grow up now, you're going to need to grow up now, but you, know, you don't actually realise that until, until the wee baby comes. Um, but no, it's brilliant, I'm, I'm loving every minute, we've got a really uh, supportive family around us, and, and the missus is, is doing a great job, um, but you know, I'm just, I'm just loving being a dad. Um, and you know I'm looking forward to when she can get a little bit older and you can, I can bring her to, to the games with me because you know I've seen so many boys in my career you know bringing their, their, their kids to training or bringing them to the match days and it's something that you know I always really wanted so it'll be good you know hopefully I'm still playing at, at a half decent level um, you know in five six years time and you know I'll be able to bring Poppy to, to the games and I'm sure they'll see me play yeah, absolutely. That would be absolutely fantastic. I've seen a lot of the, the Irish League players bringing their kids to games and on trophy days and things like that. And it really is a special occasion and hopefully that will happen for yourself. You mentioned at the beginning there that you were in an apartment at the beginning and then you obviously moved house during this pandemic. How tough is that to kind of adapt to new surroundings? Because during the pandemic, we've always been told to sort of try and stay at home as much as possible. But it, it, it's so, so difficult when you've, you've got your own life to leave as well. And it, it's it's very very difficult, isn't it? Yeah, it was it was a tough time. I was living I was living in an apartment with with um, Nav Nav Naziri, um, you know, who's at Minfield now, and and then you know we got we got the news that, that you know we were pregnant, so we knew they started getting the wheels in motion. We'd be looking at, at buying a house anyway, but even the whole process of buying a house was was a lot harder due to COVID, and um, just with the uncertainty of everything that's going on, and uh, you know we had to move move home first, get, get move out of the apartment, and then move home, and then it meant you know for for five months of of Mrs's pregnancy, she was in her mum's, now I was in my mum's, um, so that that was that was certainly really difficult, and you know I felt that I missed out in some of the, the pregnancy, yeah, um, but we just knew you know there, there was light at the end of the tunnel, we we had seen a house we liked, and we just needed to wait on. On, on being able to move into it um, and you know we were able to move in 
only four weeks before before the the baby came, and, and you know it's another thing. You know, if the shops weren't, aren't open to go around and, and look for you know not, not necessarily even look like the furniture house. So we had to be real switched on and ordering things online, um, you know, months ahead of schedule. Um, but we were able to do it. You know, I just think you know, like I said, you got tried to deposits from everything, and you know, even though it was a weird time to be moving house, you know, there was a very valid reason that we were doing it. We were going to be bringing a wee baby in the world, so yeah. um, you know, just that was our motivation for for sticking with it. Absolutely, and it very important time it is important that you know your your daughter has a mother and father that is in a great position and it's uh, good that you've managed to be settled in the situation that you're in and that's a really good thing uh, i want to kind of share with my uh, listeners um something that we had a great exchange on instagram uh, beforehand because you were um obviously i have now are now playing for carrot rangers um on loan um you, you're currently still a, a glen Torn player although you are on loan at, at carrick and i actually to reach out to you because Glen Torum were playing Carrick and I mentioned you in my Northern Irish blog which I write because I actually thought you had an opportunity to play against your old team but it was only a loan deal and not a permanent switch so I just wanted to tell people that I was me that made an yeah. absolute howler <laughs> yeah so I think I think the rules are um, that you know when you're on a professional deal that you can't you can't play against your parent club and, and I am on loan at Carrick but I remember when I was young and um, I went on loan to Warren Point and it was before from, from Linfield and it was before I'd, I'd signed a professional contract so it was a it was a gentleman's agreement where I was basically released from Linfield and signed an amateur contract at Warren Point yeah. and then was told to, to that I would come back and sign a pro contract in the summer with Linfield um, but it was a gentleman's agreement to, to not play I was not allowed to play but it came to play and we played Linfield in the Irish Cup at Windsor and we were down to the bare bones and by as a manager and like he just played me anyway mm-hmm. um, you know I wasn't supposed to play and it, it, it kind of I think was a bit of a rift between you know Barry and, and Warren Feeney was Linfield manager at the time because I wasn't supposed to play now it didn't make a difference we got tanked 5-0 but I still ended up playing but it could have been a story if I had a score to winner and put Linfield in the Irish Cup and I wasn't even technically allowed to play against them that would have been uh, hashtag Irish League behaviour wouldn't it that yeah class. I mean everybody has sort of been using that term and nowadays and then here in Scotland we have some very funny stories that have had similar effects with things like that people scoring yeah. against their old team and that would have been really interesting but Johnny it's great to have you on the show I'm really interested to hear about your journey in football so far because you've had a really busy time of things even at a very young age it's, it's something that I'm really interested to chat about what I always kick start my show uh, I always ask my guests what their motivation was to go into football at the beginning what was yours I just you know I just love football um, you know from just playing in the street I just wanted to play you know as much and you know as I could so playing for every club playing for the BB I joined Green Island Youth as a kid um, and then I think the main motivation you know I was good when I was young you know I was a bit of an early developer so you know, it's, it's a great feeling when you're 11 years old and you're scoring four goals every Saturday. Um, and then that just, you know, I just, I love that feeling of, of doing well. And um, it just, it's just over the years, just kind of become routine almost. Uh, you know, even in my, my work at the minute, you know, other people that I work with say, oh, I don't know how you do that. You know, especially when I was at Glen Torn, we were training four nights a week. Um, like, I don't know how you, how you do that, go to work. But, like, i never seen it as a chore. I did something that I love to do. Mm-hmm. And it's been a, a, a mainstay in my life for so long. Um, and it's something that I will continue to do for as long as my body lets me at, at whatever level. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, I just, I just love playing football. Um, and, you know, it's probably one of the reasons that, you know, I've had so many clubs is because I, I, I'm not 
I'm not happy kind of just sitting around. I want to, I want to get out and play. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just I, I love football. And I always have from a young age, and um, you know, even with with a baby coming and of of other priorities now, but you know, football still a top top priority in my life. Yeah, absolutely. What about your family uh, growing up? Were they big inspirations in your footballing journey? Yeah. So I mean. Not that, you know, my, my dad played for Lauren as a goalkeeper years ago. We played for a whole pile of teams, but the only real team of, he played for Lauren, he played for Carrick Rangers for a bit. And he was a, a, a second choice goalkeeper at Lauren. Can't remember the name of the keeper's name, but he was real famous, long hair. My dad will kill me for not remembering who it was. Um, can't remember. But he played He played football, and then just obviously he, he kind of took us out. Um, you know, playing when I was young. But, you know, I'm really, really appreciative to my mum and dad because, you know, from a young age, from 10 and 11, you know, it's tough because I'm training twice a week with my club, but then I was playing for the County Antrim teams who were training another two times a week, mm. then for the school team who's training a night a week. I'm just, I'm, it was like, that was like a taxi. It was like a taxi service for mum and dad running me up and down the country, and especially with the Northern Ireland setups, you know, we were training in Cookstown at 8 o'clock on a Saturday morning and things like that. So I'm really grateful to, to mum and dad to, um, you know, for doing that. But now it's really rewarding for me because, you know, they love going going to my games and you know it's it's, it's one of the main reasons that, that you know I enjoy playing is like making them proud you know I know my dad is and my mum they're both proud as punch as me or, or for me um, and you know when I, whenever I'm playing and no matter what team I've been playing for I always look to see where they are you know when I'm running out and doing the warm up um, or they'll tell me before where they'll be sitting and normally we'll sit in the same place at each kind of stadium mm-hmm. and you know when I score and I'm walking back um, not that, that I've scored in a while but when I'm scoring I'm kind of walking back after celebrating wherever I always take a look up you know to see where they are and to look down and you know that's a great feeling being able to make, make your mum and dad proud yeah absolutely it's very important in my opinion as well and in why any life it has to be said of making your, your parents and associated friends as well very happy and, and proud to, to be part of your life I think that's very important what about in terms of general football who were your aspirations and inspirations growing up so in terms of club football like I'm an Arsenal fan but I wouldn't be like a huge Arsenal fan my, my, my real passion would be Northern Ireland um, I've followed Northern Ireland ever since I was a, I was a, a very small kid me my brother my my dad and my late grandfather um, would have went to you know all the matches we had the the season tickets the block booking in the family stand and then when I was maybe 11 we got block booking in the cop and you know for as long as I can remember going to the evening games um, at Windsor Park and, and I loved it and you know it's, it's quite standard you know, one of my heroes growing up was, was David Healy who, who later went on to, to manage me um, but you know, Northern Ireland's been a real big passion. I followed them, them home and away, uh, and I, you know, I went to the Euros with my dad and my brother, and it was just a fantastic, fantastic, fantastic experience. Um, following your team, yeah. so that would be where my, my real passion is, and it's linked closely with my family. Yeah. But following Northern Ireland, I mean, Northern Ireland during that Euros in 2016. Obviously, as a Scotsman, Scotland have only recently been able to get to <laughs> a, a European Championships again, but when they weren't there, I followed Northern Ireland and I'm sure you will agree when Gareth McCauley scores that goal against Ukraine and then Niall McGinn, an Aberdeen player and, and associated with my club, yeah. Aberdeen my team as well, that was a special night for Northern Ireland, wasn't it? Do you know, see, that night it was just one of the most, the, the, one of the greatest nights of my life. I can vividly remember, you know, the, everybody singing the Gareth McCauley song when Norwood was standing over the free kick and then it got whipped in. There's just this silence in the stadium, just 
waiting on him. Everybody in the crowd headed the ball, um, and he put it in. And I remember for, for the second goal, Josh McGuinness, we wanted him to go to the corner, and he's going to the corner and he takes a touchdown and tries to take him on. And everybody's, everybody's going, oh, for fuck's sake, Josh, like, what are you doing? And then he puts the ball in the box, and, and now I'm again hits it, and everyone's like, delighted. But even that night, you know, it was a really special night. Um, a lot of my friends were, all the friends we grew up with were all in, in Leon that night, and we all, we just, we just were on the streets in Leon. It was, it was surreal trying to explain it because it was just like a, a random street in Leon, and there was just, you know, thousands of Northern Ireland fans just singing songs, you know, all night. And it's a, it's a once in a lifetime kind of, kind of experience. I can never imagine, you know, anything else um, being like that, just the situation and your friends. And France was a real special time. And I think Northern Irish football, you know, it, it sums up the Northern Irish people. I think just like, uh, you know, s- small but always like brave mm-hmm. um, and just it was an amazing you ever see die attitude with not yeah that kind of yeah. Michael O'Neill really more rubbish. and Michael O'Neill really summed that up didn't he and his managerial yeah. reign at, at, of Northern Ireland he was absolutely superb, yeah. wasn't he even when we were rubbish, like we always still had a chance of, of beating the top teams. Like we would have, you know, got beat by Luxembourg and then beat Spain. It would have been crazy things like that. But yeah, Michael O'Neill done a great job with us, and um, he's certainly going to be a, a big, big miss for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have any aspirations yourself to play for Northern Ireland in the future? Is there a dream? So I think I think I have to actually say that. I'm probably not going to make it. Um, I'm 24 years old and I'm playing for Carrick, so you know I don't think we're going to be getting called up um, anytime soon. It was something you know I always wanted to do. Um, I have you know I never made it across the water, and um, something I also would have loved to do. And you know that would have been that that would have been for me playing for Northern Ireland at Windsor Park would have topped any anything I could have done in football you know even you know winning the Champions League or, or anything like that winning the Premier League the thing that would have made me most proud um, would have been to, to, to play for Northern Ireland and it's something that you know will never happen um, more than likely mm-hmm. um, you know that's okay um, I'll, still, I'll still follow them but that would have been a real dream for me to, to do that yeah, absolutely, and you know some some really great uh, assets of the Northern Irish League have gone on to to represent their country. Gavin White, uh, especially, really in recent times, has gone on to be so excellent, in my opinion, uh, uh, for Northern Ireland, and, and that's really the aspirations, isn't it? Because Northern Irish League football is definitely on the up, and you can see products of the game really making it now. Yeah, I think we're actually now in a little bit of a. a uh, we're obviously on the up and um, for a couple of years there we were still very much seen as you know like a stepping stone any good player was able just to get a move straight across to um, across the water but I think what you'll find now is you know the likes of Lauren and, and Glenn Torr and, and Linfield they don't necessarily need to sell their young players and they can probably you know the likes of League 1 and League 2 clubs they can probably match the wages and yeah. um, and while the young players might want to go, you know, they could be under contract. So I don't think now the way the league's going, we're going to be held at, at ransom um, as much, which is a good thing and a bad thing, you know, probably for, for um, you know, kids with aspirations to go across the water. You know, it certainly might not be good for them if they're maybe priced out of a move because, you know, previously it would have been very cheap to get somebody from here. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, it's also raising the quality of this league. And raising the quality of this league means that, you know, you're playing against better opposition, which means you have a better chance of succeeding when you go across the water. So if you excel here, Cubs will have more confidence in you. Yeah. So, you know, there's, there's two ways to look at it. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's very interesting to see how that has developed over time. Let's bring it back to yourself, though, Johnny, because uh, I'm, I'm really interested to know how your journey kicked off. You mentioned Linfield at the beginning. Was that how things started out for you? Yeah, so I played for Green Island until I was 16. Green Island was a, a great um, local club from where I'm from, Newton Abbey, and, you know, I've produced loads of great players. Both uh, Johnny Evans and Corey Evans went there. Of course. Um, Josh Carson went there. Um, Craig Cathcart played there. So, you know, there's a lot of players, and there's lots in the Irish League um, that have came through from Green Island. Uh, and when I was 16, I signed for, for Linfield. Um, and, you know, Linfield were always the best team going up. Um, you know they always there was the best players always played for Linfield so I, I signed for them from from I was 16 and, and played for them uh, under 17s and under 19s but pretty quickly I got into the reserves which is where you know I first started having you know real success in Linfield and started to get noticed a little bit more mm-hmm. Who, who, who uh, kind of saw you in the gate at Linfield at the beginning who was the, the person that kind of t- attracted you to that club were there other teams that were interested? Um so I think I mean going back it was quite quite a guy called Ricky Mack um, took me into to Linfield he was a scout um, and you know my first coach is something someone I, I stay in contact with to this day um, Brian McCarroll and Lawrence Fife um, and they'll be well known within you know Irish league circles so they were my first my first uh, coaches for the under 17 team at Linfield and I, I didn't actually I didn't really set the world alight um, but I always I always you know nobody would, would outwork me and there were certainly more players of talent there um, you know, when I think back, when I first went there, I was like the sixth choice under 17 striker. Mm. But I, I always had a good attitude, and I just stuck at it. And I think that shows and how I play now. Yeah. Um, and just over time, players ended up leaving due to the thought they could play reserve football somewhere else, or their egos were too big, or they got released for saying something, you know, cheeky back. And it was almost because of process of elimination that I ended up getting my chance. Mm. Um, in, in my second year at Linfield, I was I was struggling to get into the under nineteen team. Um, which is two age groups combined in one, and I was I was going to go to the Ballymena, and then there was a youth cup game for for Linfield, where youth cup Linfield take it very seriously. All the best players for the reserves all dropped down to play in this youth cup, and the reserves needed a striker, mm-hmm. and I wasn't even making the squad for the youth cup game. So they just give me for one game for the reserves, and I'll, I'll never forget it. Played against Cliftonville at Midgley Park. And you know, I ended up scoring, and, and we drew one-one. I played against George McMullen, Chris Canell was playing, um, and I remember then the reserve manager, Sammy McFadden. Um, he just took a liking to me, and from then I just played for reserves, you know, for for two years straight. And it was just—it's funny, just that's just how football can be. Sometimes you need a wee bit of luck. You need a manager to, to take a, a fancy in you because in nineteens I wasn't playing, and then all of a sudden I just bypassed nineteens and went straight into the reserve team and was playing every week. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Linfield's uh, such a historic and prestigious club. I mean, you must have felt fantastic in a way to be associated with a club of that size. At the time. You know, the, the Linfield setup is just—that's where the best players play. Um, and you know, when you say you played for Linfield, you know, people knew. Knew that you know you must be good. The, the great thing about playing for Linfield um, reserves was that Davy Mc, or Davy Jeffrey was the manager at the time, and he always had you know a huge squad at Linfield, which meant in the reserve team there was only three or four players that weren't first team players that played every week. Yep. Nowadays, a reserve game is just eighteen year olds, seventeen year olds, um, but. 
back when I first broke in, you know, I played up front every week with Peter Thompson, which was just, you know, crazy to me. He was one of the Irish League's top strikers for, for 10 player. years. That's a good yeah. Uh, and you know I, I learned so much off him just with, with how I approached the game because you would see a lot of boys that drop down that just didn't want to be there and you know fair enough they're 30 years old and they're you know they're, they don't want to be playing with, with me on a Saturday for Olympia Reserves but Peter Thompson was nothing but, but a complete professional um, and he talked to all the young lads treated us with respect told stories of, of him being a wet stockport and you know good times and he was someone I really really admired um, and someone who, who helped me a lot when I when I first kind of came into Linfield you know was was in the round the first time he was someone who helped me a lot I was going to say when you get guys that have so much experience to, to build on and, and you, you have the opportunity to use that must help you enormously yeah even just with, with how he played um, you, you know it's something I always really remember is like when we scored like a last minute winner or something for the reserves like why would he care like you know he's a he's a first team player he's done it all he's got Northern Ireland Cup and he would have been over like celebrating with us and, and really he actually cared about playing and just that, that hunger and the desire to win and you know it makes sense for how successful he was as a footballer and it's the kind of player that, that David Jeffrey would want um, but even in those reserve games you know he's really hungry and, and that rubs off on you that rubs off on you as a young player yeah, during your younger years, you, you obviously mentioned there about David Jeffrey. Did you have many dealings with him? I mean, he's one of the icons of the Irish League, isn't he? He's yes. Absolute character. yes. So he was someone that I always wanted to work with, um, but you know, I he left before I was really in the round. I got, got a chance to go up and train the first team the the manager that brought me through and gave me my my well my debut was Warren Feeney and um, I ended up working with with David later on uh, at, at Ballymena he, he got the job three games into my Ballymena um, career I was on from there you know Spike got sacked and, and David got the job and I, I remember being super excited to, to work with him um, and at the start he actually he froze me out at the start because you know Balamina were on a were on a rough run and he just wanted to play um, you know experienced players make us make us hard to beat and I was a, a young you know 18, 19 year old kid that was just you know there to get games um, but I ended up playing my way in the his team and you know he's someone that, that taught me you know I, I like to think that you know I learn a little bit of, of everybody that I've kind of played with and played for yeah. and you know, he certainly taught me more about the the, the defensive side of the game and, you know, working back is, is so important. You know, I played as a winger for him and you're expected to be, you know, at the back post for across one second and right back helping out your fullback for another and, and he would have beasted you yeah. um, to make sure that you were, you know, it was a team game. You had to bust, you know, bust your gut for everybody and that's just the way Davies teams play yeah. back in the day. That's the way they play now. They all bust a gut for each other and it's the way I still, still try to play now. Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic manager and continuing to do really well in the Irish League. We mentioned earlier yeah. on in the chat, you, you, you talked about Barry Gray and Warren Point. You were there for a for a short period of time. What was that like playing for a club of that stature? Because Warren Point are a side to me now, certainly this season especially, have really improved a lot. So uh, I, I was I was playing for Linfield Reserves at the time, and a, and a coach from the Linfield Youth Setup had got a job with Barry as a coach needed there, um, and he had recommended me. 
and this was at a time when Warren Point had, had just came up uh, and their team was just really full of, of players from Newry there was two other boys of Belfast that I travelled up with um, but it came about and I hadn't even really been around the first team and it just it just again you know a little bit of luck is Warren Point rang and feel about me and off the back of that then Warren Feeney knew who I was and you know subconsciously is thinking well you know if another Irish League club's looking this kid he must be he must be decent mm-hmm. so Warren had rang me and just said look you can go if you want or you can stay either way I'll give you a first team contract and um, so I said yeah I mean I may as well go and play it's next step up from, from Irish League or from reserve football and I went I loved it and it was a real real eye opener for me because you know I hadn't really been in like a um like a proper you know, change room before I'd only really played reserve football mm. I went there with just all these these boys they were all rockets um, all from Newry but all really really good lads um, and you know it was a really it was a great it was a great time I had we stayed up winning in the playoff final against Bangor yeah. um, over two legs which was you know terrific and a different experience to what I'd you know we'd used to always be be winning at Linfield mm. and then I'm going and I'm, I'm having these like Tough battles down down near the bottom end of the table. I was going to ask you um, what what is the, how do you change your mindset from going from a, a title winning team Linfield? Obviously, you were in the reserves at that time, but nevertheless, you're part of a set up there, and you're moving to a team in Warren Point who are always going to be in and around the bottom part of the table, and as you mentioned, battling for survival. That's a different mindset. Uh, I, yeah, well, I, I I I would say I don't think your mindset should be different. You know, whether I'm playing for Warren Point card. Linfield Gantorn I'm going out in every game thinking that, that I'm going to I'm going to win this game yeah. um, it just you know the, qual- the the games are different you know it's there, a there's a different it? type of, there's it's, it's, but it's still pressure you know there's different types of pressure um, and you know I think pressure is a good thing but you know the, I, I love the feeling of pressure in terms of like a big game you know I, I, what what it was tougher to play in is nothing games like at the end of the season when you're not getting relegated or you're not getting you know and I was when I was hard for a few years you know there was years you were finishing ninth and like you were safe with six games to go and you couldn't get to Europe and it's just kind of like playing almost playing for nothing um, but you know the game is at the bottom that's where the, the pressure is and you know that's you know, big moments, big players, mm-hmm. and that's where you kind of strive. You want to be involved in those big moments, and, and that's the same whether you're a big club or a small club. Obviously, it's better with a big club with you know more fans and a better atmosphere and things like that. But you know, it's still it's still big moments down the bottom. How did Barry Gray make you an improved player? So, I mean, in terms of you know coaching, you know, it, it was a lot. It was a lot different at at. at than feel that it was to Warren Point but Barry gave me a whole pile of confidence and Barry's someone I stay in contact with to this day you know um, know, we're not texting every day but we text you know every now and then you know about family and about other things in life Um, and he certainly he looked after me when I was there uh, and just that he gave me the confidence to, to play like it didn't matter that I was a 17 year old kid it didn't matter that he had like you know players that had played in the RST their whole career sitting on a bench he gave me that trust to go and play um, and I think a manager having, having belief in you can just give you so much confidence mm-hmm. and um, you know that can make you play so much better you know believes in you and thinks you're a good player 
Yeah, absolutely, and 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 it seemed that that, yeah. that definitely helped you in terms of staying up as well. And Warren Point is always, in my view, a, a very tricky place for a lot of teams to go. What is it about Milltown that makes it tough for the bigger teams to to go and get a result? It's a bit of a weird one because you know they don't particularly have you know a huge following. Do, um, do they underestimate Warren Point? Yeah, possibly. Um, yeah, I, I don't. You know, one of the hardest places to go is, is Taylor's Avenue with Carrick. Um, every club that I've played for has struggled when they went there. Um, but you know, sometimes it just is when, when you go away to these smaller teams. Um, maybe these the, the bigger teams experiment a little with their team, or they they try something different. And you know, that's maybe a little bit presumptuous. That, they're gonna, they're gonna just get the three points. Um, they don't get me wrong. Sometimes they come down and, and they hammer you. Um, but I think you know, especially at Carrick, Taylor's Avenue is a tough place to go, and anybody, any team will say that you know they don't, they don't really like going there. Yeah, interesting to, to hear about that. You obviously mentioned about uh, going back to Linfield and, and you know Warren Feeney. You mentioned him earlier on. What was it about Warren as a manager that, that saw a lot on you? It seemed to like that he took a bit of a shine to you in the early stages anyway. Warren was great. I really liked Warren. and He's another person that I would, I would speak to, you know, occasionally. Um, and he's doing very well for himself out, out in Bulgaria. Um, you know, I think Warren, Warren had with a good little score to be done well for Warren Point by by you know all accounts, and and Warren was was not afraid to play youth. Um, you know he played Paul Smith, he played Alan Sally quite a bit, and um, he gave me my debut as well. Um, and then you know he was someone that I, I really got on with. He, he was a he was a kind of manager that still was like one of the boys. Um, and you know I think there's only certain kind of types of people that can that can pull off that kind of relationship where they're still one of the boys but they still have that respect and Warren was one of those, those guys um, I came back in the summer and I think he he left to go manage Crawley Town in the in the October I think it was Crawley he went to um, but he left in, in the October so that was when, when you know David Healy had, had come in um, and then it was under David that that he gave me my first professional contract. Yeah, yeah. And David Healy has gone on to do remarkable things with that Linfield team, and his journey at Linfield is sensational so far. What did he give to you to again develop your your journey as a player? David David was was really great with me, and um, I remember I was in a little bit of a tricky situation because Warren left. It had been Warren that had promised me a first team contract, and then. Uh, you know, Warren and ended up leaving. So it was only on his word, really, that, that I had been promised this contract. You know, which is understandable. So um, the old Enfield reserve manager was was at Balamina at the time, and then Balamina were were offering me a professional contract. So my very first meeting that, that I had with David, um, you know, I just said to him, I told him the situation that you know Linfield were or Warren was going to give me a contract, and now he's left. Um, and David was very upfront and honest, which is something that. You know, it's so appreciative from players. Yeah. When you know managers are just honest with you, you know, we just want to, we don't want to be, you know, bullshit. We just want to know what's happening. And he just said, "Look, I don't know you, but mm-hmm. let Shane with me, and if you impress me, I'll give you a contract." Yeah. And that's all you want as players, motivation. Um, 
and so I trained and, and two weeks later he came in and he sat me down and I was the first person that, that, that David Healy signed at Linfield I was the first person he, he gave a contract to yeah. um, and that, that was special for me at the time because you know Linfield at the time they, they were the top club in the country um, you know David was, was an idol of mine growing up I loved playing for the club at the time. Yeah, and and and, a very um, and it was mm-hmm. really special. Sorry, there's a bit of a lag in the line. I'm just going to put on my Wi-Fi see if that'll make a difference. Yeah, I'm on Wi-Fi. Yeah, but I'm on the 4G. I wonder if that might be the problem. Is a bit of a lag. See if that's better. Yeah, I think that's sounding a bit better now. I think. Yeah, so can you hear me? Yeah, no, I can hear you now. Um, yeah, yeah so, there was no lag. Yeah, so what I, what I thought was really interesting about um, you know the Linfield story is obviously you mentioned about David being uh, one of the first guys that he had signed for him. I mean, when you look at the squad of players that Linfield had in that time, you mentioned Paul Smith, the experience that that Linfield team had, it must have really rubbed off on you to, to play alongside some, some really great players. Room, you know, there were winners, and I went out on another loan. But you know, Linfield taught me a lot about you know what a changing room should be like for, for to win. You know, there's accountability there, um, and real leaders in the changing room. The while it was frustrating for me that I didn't play, you know, as much as I would have liked. Um, you know, it was really great that to be in and around, you know, that changing room when I, when I first signed in the contract. You know, so many players come through and finish this and, and go on to, to not play. Um, so first team graduates that came the whole way through. Um, now Quinn is the only one that I can think of that, that came the whole way through. There was a few boys that have played there when they were younger um, and then went across the water and came home. But I think now Quinn's the only one that, that has come through the, the youth system. So it's a very tough place to, to break into. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I first got my contract, David did play me for a while. Um, up to that Christmas, he, he took a shine to me and he played me. Uh, and then in, in January, um, he brought in a few of his own signings and, and made a few good signings. Mm-hmm. And I was just pushed down to back and door, back in order a little bit. And yep. he, I, I then ended up signing for Balamina on loan for the rest of the season. Yeah, I mean, some some really talented players. You mentioned Paul Smith earlier in this chat. Are you surprised at what he's doing across the work? As he obviously, I think, went to QPR, didn't he? And and then to Charlton later. Yeah, so he's actually, I think he's just signed for for Accrington again, um, right. on loan for the rest of the season. Um, and I think they've paid a, paid a fee for, for to set him on loan. Mm-hmm. Um, me and Paul grew up playing the same team. And he and, and he did, and that's that's you know obviously he's went on and proved that you know he's a better player than me. I'm certainly not saying you know that, that we were the same level, but he was someone that you know David gave us both a chance, and he took it with both hands, and he and he, he was fantastic for Linfield, and he didn't even score that many goals or assists, but just his energy is just um it just changed, continues a, a game just you know in in one moment, um and he, he's the kind of kid that, that works really really hard. Um, so no, I'm not surprised at all that you know I think he's been unlucky with a few injuries and with every QPR not giving him a chance. Um, but I've no doubt that he will carve a, a very good career for himself across the water. What about some of that experience in that Linfield team? Guys like Jamie Mulgrew, Andy Waterworth, Roy Carroll, who would have been at the club at the time, did they help yeah. you in your way in improving as a player? As well? uh, 
hundred percent. You know that was that year. So the following year, the year we won the league was you know one of my favourite change rooms. And um, you know Sean Ward was there, and, and Sean Ward is someone that I, I really really look up to. Um, and he was he was fantastic in that change room, Lincoln, the young boys, the the young the middle aged boys and, and the older boys. Um, Andy is someone that you know I, I still stay in contact with to this day. Uh, and he you know they were really room for kind of helping you and taking you under the under their wing about the lead by example um, and, and with accountability um, and, and Roy as well Roy is that was you know when we signed him I was delighted for that obviously being a big Northern Ireland fan you know I knew Roy very well mm-hmm. and I was a little bit starstruck and I've got to know Roy you know reasonably well um, over the years and Roy was another fantastic fantastic person that I have in the changing room and I knew when to grill somebody and I knew when to you know to put their, their hand around someone I remember I started a game for Linfield um, on a Tuesday night against Coleraine um, at Windsor Park and Jimmy Callagher got sent off just before half time and I got hooked at half time I got took off now I think I was going to get took off anyway because I was having an absolute nightmare and I was gutted. Mm-hmm. You know, it's embarrassing getting taken off half time any time, but I really felt that, that it blew my chance in being the first team. And Roy, just before he came out, or before he went out for the second half, he came over and he put his, on me, his arm around me and just said, don't worry about it, kid. And that just, you know, didn't you know lift my spirits. wasn't all of a sudden not sad anymore, but that just, you know, meant a lot to me that, that he had said that. And he's phenomenal, isn't he, Roy Callan? He's back playing again for Dungannon. Are you surprised to see him back playing in the league of 40? No, no, I'm, I'm surprised it didn't happen earlier, to be honest. You know, there's always kind of rumours of him, of him going. He was... It, I can't describe how good he was when we were at Linfield. Even, even in training, he, he was impossible to, to score against. And he's another one. He really, really cared. Um, you know, if you scored against him in training, it, it annoyed him. And, and something, someone who's very, very similar to that is Elliot Morris. Yeah. So there, there there's something to that. There's two great keepers. Um, I work with Elliot. Uh, Elliot at the tail end of his career now. I work with Roy at the tail end of his career. You know, they've been playing for 20 years, mm-hmm. and when they can see the goal in training, they're absolutely raging, angry almost. <laughs> and that kind of passion, that is why they've done so well um, throughout their whole their whole career. You mentioned about Sean Ward uh, from your time at Linfield. In that Linfield dressing room, who were the guys that liked the best banter? Who were the best of the call? So uh, it would have been, it would have been Wardy. Wardy was the, the centre of everything. Of I've loads of great memories of, of being out with those boys. And um, you know, I was just a young lad. I just loved the fact that you know I played Flintfield and I knew all these boys. Like I was just. Yeah, it was great. I, I Andy Waterworth knows who I am and, and stuff like that. I was able to go out nights out with them and stuff. Um, but Wardy was definitely the centre of all the, all the crack there. Um, and I think it's something when he left. I think it's you know the change rooms are a, a massive part. You know, in my opinion, of, of a football team and, and how the mm-hmm. how the team gets on. Um, and you know, I think it's something that you know I you know I try to do as well. And I try to do what, what Wardy did is 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 bring. Um, you know, everybody in there, you know, you often find with teams, there's cliques and there's wee groups of friends and there's things like that. But Wardy was someone that was bringing the young lads in that didn't speak and, like, bring them into conversation with, you know, the older lads and just bringing everybody together as one. And he was the kind of focal point. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that's Wardy knew when to mess about, he knew when to take it serious and he was a really, really respected um a respected leader in that change room and I remember after we won the league and, and the Irish Cup we had like a, a Christmas do 
um, and he, he got to speak and everybody was chanting and smacking on the tables one more year one more year because nobody wanted him to go but it's respect the, the, the Sean that he wanted to play didn't feel he would get that time at, um, at Linfield and he went to Crusaders and you know he won, he won more trophies yeah I reckon there's a few mad Linfield players on a night out in that in that dressing room that you mentioned there <laughs> Uh, I'm trying to think back to you know I was I was only 19 so I was probably sleeping by half 11 I reckon um, Martin Clark was at the heart of that queue <laughs> yeah you know there would have been Clarky, Quinny um, Kirk Kirk Miller uh, yeah Kirk Cameron Stewart um, you know I, I would occasionally we would still meet up Josh Carson as well was in that change room okay. occasionally we would still we would still meet up um, and you know, Kirk and Kirk and Clarky have started a clothing brand as well, and mm-hmm. um, with some sayings that they used to always say uh, on the night out. So yeah, the other thing is really important for a winning change room. Yeah, no, absolutely true. Let's talk about your journey to arts because that was the the kind of real time I started to really follow your career. What was it like moving to the Banger Club? Because arts are a team that you know had the spell in the Premier League. You know, it was it was a decent period of time for them. Then they had their struggles again. They're still trying to work their way back, but it really sort of kicked off your career, and I, I would say in a good way. Yeah. So I mean, it was at the stage I, I had just I'd spent a full year at Linfield and I played ten games. I think over the year with like maybe three starts and I was just I was ready to leave um, you know as much as I loved it there I needed to go out and play um, and I was actually I was I was very close to signing for Cliftonville Barry Gray had actually got the job for Cliftonville that's right and um, I was going to sign there signing Roy Donnelly and I just thought to myself you know I don't want to be in the same position again where I'm going to be you know scrambling for minutes I want to go somewhere and play and uh, and I spoke with Colin Nixon and Darren Nixon, um, and I was really, really impressed with them down there. Um, so I went, and you know, I can't, I can't speak highly enough of that club. They're, they're, they're a great, they're a great little club. Um, you know, with a, with a, with a good fan base for how, for you know being one of the smaller clubs. Um, and you know, that's really where you know, like you said, I feel I really stepped into my own. Um, I, I played really well when I was there. Uh, and we had a very very good team, mm-hmm. and we should have done better. But we got we got smacked with a few really tough injuries, um, and we still ended up finishing eighth, I think. But I really think that that team could have been something special. Mm-hmm. And and to this day, you know, my best friends that, that I still um, speak with every single day is my friends from the arts team. Mm-hmm. There's there's six of us have stayed um, really 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 close, and you know we still talk about to this day about like. You know, maybe when we get to the tail end of our careers, meeting up and, and joining again, and that's why you know that's one of the main reasons was that I really enjoyed my time at Ards was that you know I was playing every week and I was playing with some some real real friends. And Colin Nixon took over from Niall Curry, didn't he? And, and Niall had done a superb job to get Ards up there in the first place, and then obviously he got the job at Portadown. What did Colin Nixon do to your development as a player? Because obviously he had a, a fantastic playing career himself, and you know stepping into the management game, he didn't do too bad. <laughs> So, yeah, so so I think Collins, Collins, you know, where he struggled with management is that he didn't realise we weren't all as good as what he was. You know, something that was so simple to him, you know, it was just 
not not as easy to us because we weren't you know one of the best Irish league players ever. And mm-hmm. um, but Colin really really he believed in me. Um, probably as much as any manager has, has ever believed in me. He gave me you know the reins to do whatever I wanted football wise. Um, and played me week in week out. You know if I had a blip, I knew I would still you know get a chance to to make it right in the next game or the game after that. Um, and you know there's no substitute for playing games. You can do all the best training in the world, um, but you need to play play games week in week out to, to get better and that was a really important time in my career because it's like I said I'd spent some time few loans not really playing and I needed to go somewhere and play every week and I did that at Ards mm-hmm. um, and we were a real real good side and I, I thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed my time at Ards and it was very sad to see them to see them get relegated um, but you know I have full confidence that I know John Bailey who's the manager there now that, that they will get back up to the top league um, because I think you know it's good to have a team like Ards uh, in the league yeah I know um, but yeah I really really enjoyed my time there yeah absolutely and you mentioned um, you, you said there was a lot of great players that you still keep in touch with in that Ards sub who would they be and you know that team that was eight you know a really great run that they had and some, especially at home yeah, so um, Callum Byers first, he was uh, the captain of, of, of our team, um, but he was young. Um, he now plays for Dungannon. Um, gorgeous big player, big curly locks. Um, fantastic, he's really good lad. This and thinking, yeah. hell. <laughs> um, so then with three sentiment fielders, Kyle Cherry, who I play with at Carrick, um, at the minute um, Scott Davidson and Gareth Tomlins who play at the Welders and then Michael McClellan who's a, a striker who plays at the Welders too but we just we all had a really good connection um, and it was that for it was for me it was kind of like it was real adult football you know we, we played went out a draw went had a beer after football um, and we really became friends and, and bonded and, and mm-hmm. that bond has, has stuck to today and that's one of the amazing things about, about football is you can just you can um, gain friendships that that will, will last a, life, a lifetime, um, and there's there's really no better way that to bond than than on a football team that's doing well. You mentioned earlier that Ards was very much a family orientated club, and I've I've watched quite a lot of Ards uh, highlights of games in the past, and you know, the setup at the Banger Fuels Arena, it's a great atmosphere, isn't it? Especially when the big teams yeah. come to town. Yeah, no, you, you 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 hit the nail on the head there with a with a family club and just you know a, a nice story that I have about my time at Ards. There's a my dad went to every game. My dad goes to every game, you know, home and away, and um, he had noticed this this man that came to every single game. You know, would have been in his eighties. Um, a guy called Alec, and my dad just got yard into him the way you would um, over over the course of the games, um, and you know. He could barely see the game, but he came every single week to, to watch Ards play. Um, and my dad ended up, we were playing on the Saturday and we played again in Cliftonville on, on the Monday night. And my dad said that, yeah, like, you know, are you going to see him Monday? And I like, said, oh, no, I'm not, I'm not able to go. I only can afford a, a taxi up a week or I only want to get one taxi up a week to the game. Mm. So, you know, my dad said, you know, oh, well, where, where do you live? Um, and he lived in Ballinahinch, Hinch, which was miles away from where my, my dad lived. So my dad says, I'll, I'll come and pick you up and take you to the game. Wow. And from from that game till I left Orange, my dad went and got Alec and went to every game, away to Dirtview, away to wherever we were playing. Um, and, and that sums up what, you know, I think my, my dad wanted me to stay at Orange, um, even when I, when I came home from, from Australia. Um, he wanted me to re-sign for them because he, he really got gripped by, by the family sense of that club. 
Mm. Um, but I think that that story just kind of sums up what what Arge was all about, um, and, and it was a real family oriented at the club that that I really enjoyed. Yeah, absolutely, and, and what a lovely story that is. Your dad seems like a, a really great guy and a really <laughs> selfless guy. So what a wonderful story to share with us, Johnny. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah. You delightfully mentioned in there really nicely that you went to Australia for a while. Why Australia? Yeah. Uh, where did that come uh, out? It was basically a holiday, the way it turned out. Um, <laughs> so, I, uh, you know, it was something that had been on, on, my, way, on my mind for a while. Um, I had a friend out there, uh, Johnny Black, who played in the Irish League for a number of years. And he'd been sending me for a while, you know, to come out and play. The standard of football was good. And, you know, the money was good that you didn't, you know, you, could, you didn't particularly need to, need to work. Um, you could just go out there and play football. And it was a similar level, the Irish League. Um, um, and then you could also just you know live in Australia, help within my work, and um, you know have a very good job with MBT. But I got the opportunity to take a year sabbatical, and I just thought you know if I don't if I don't do this now, you know I'll never do it. So I arranged to go out. Um, another RC player, John McGuigan, um, he went out with me as well, um, and you know we went out there to play football and just you know enjoy life. And then you know a few weeks before I went, I got a real real bad hamstring tear. Uh, playing for Ards um, and I, I've had a few issues with mommies but it was a really bad tear and it put me in a bit of a downer before I left and then when I first flew over there I wasn't I was living in Melbourne but I, I didn't go straight away to Melbourne I spent three or four weeks travelling so I didn't, didn't end up doing any, any rehab you know because I was I was travelling around, around Australia and when I eventually got to Melbourne and, and pre-season training was starting uh, I realised I was still really really struggling with my with my hamstring um, so I, I kind of tried to do my own rehab for a while but I wasn't really getting getting any better and, and the club sent me to a, a specialist in Australia and you know he basically told me that it's going to be it's, it's like three months, three and a half, four months before I'll be able to play again um, and the league over there only lasts probably about six months of the year mm-hmm. so you know I, I didn't know what to do and then the way it works over there is the club has only allowed three visa players so everybody else has to be Australian yeah. so your visa players normally be the top players at the club the top paid players at the club and the club just said to me was that you know we can't afford to be paying one of our visa players if they're not able to pay mm-hmm. so we'll pay for your rehab but you know we're going to take away your contract that would offer you mm-hmm. so then I was left with you know I would come over here to play football football was going to pay the bills mm-hmm. and you know now I'm, I'm scrambling for a job and I scrambled around for a few weeks to try and um to, to try and find work in construction stuff but it just it, it wasn't for me and um, I was over there for I think it ended up nine or ten weeks and <laughs> it's a running joke because I ended up you know friends had spent money on me for leaving presents and and I came home ten weeks later I'd taken a year sabbatical from work I had to text them and say can I come back early Um so like if you don't try these things you know you'll never know and I certainly you know there's a there's a definitely a different scenario where I don't get injured and you know I'm maybe still over there but you know when I look at my life now I'm you know I'm, I'm happily settled with a, with a beautiful little daughter and it's just you know thinking back to, to where my life was you know I'm really really happy that, that you know I was able to come home it's that sliding doors moment isn't it and you know I, yeah. you're still in my certainly from the tone of your voice there that there is a little frustration that it didn't work out 
Well, look, don't get me wrong. Yeah, it's great. Um, you know, Australia was a beautiful country. Um, and, you know, there, there's people can live real happy lives out there, but it's a different type of type of life. Mm. Um, when I think about the, the route that my life could have went down, living out there, and, and the life that my route has ended up, or the route that my life's ended up taking, you know, I'm so much more content um, with, with how I am at the minute. And you're always kind of chasing something going out there. And just, you know, I'm so happy right now, you know, living in my house. I've got a good job and enjoying my football. Um, and, I, and I have a beautiful little daughter and a, and a lovely family. So just when I think back, you're right, it's just like my life could have went, you know, one of two ways. And I think it's a blessing in a way that I got hurt that, that made me come home. And, and then now I've been able to have the life that I have at the moment. You come home and then Glen Torren uh, come knocking and you join the Glens. Um, what is that like playing for Glen Torren? Obviously Mick McDermott doing a, a really good job there. It's it's the most I've enjoyed football in my entire career. Um, I, you know, it's a, it's a crazy thing because I was an Enfield fan growing up, and you know there are rivals, and you never ever would have considered yourself. You know, when I left Linfield, there's no chance I would have signed for the Glens. That's just the way it was. You know, it was it was um, you know that's just the way that I was I was bred. But when I came home from from Australia, I, I actually didn't really have any options. Um, you know, people weren't really aware that I was home and I was just going to re-sign for Ards again in the championship. And, you know, I'm very grateful that one of my best friends, Cameron Stewart, um, he was signing for the Glens and he told Indy about me. And when he was like, yeah, he's a good player, they just got bought over. But they weren't sure if the money was going to come in yet. So I think I was kind of signed as like a, in case the money doesn't come in, you know, at least we made still a few signings. Um, so he signed me and you know I just I fell in love with the club from, from the second I, I pulled on the shirt like just it's such a community club all the volunteers that help out around the place the changing room I loved it was all you know a real young changing room full of misfits full of headers at least you know when I was there it was a really good changing room um, and you know I just I really enjoyed my time there and you know, I wasn't even I wasn't playing starting 90 minutes and playing every week I was in and out of the team especially up to Christmas Um but I was always involved and I always felt involved there. Mm-hmm. Uh, even when I wasn't starting, I was coming off the game, coming off the bench and making making impacts. And I was a key part of the squad, you know, for the um, the majority of, of, of my, my season there. Um, and I just I got a real good connection with the fans. I think the fans they could call the Gurns and that's I think it's probably from the olden days, from when you know they expected success. But you know, Linfield were just were just better for so many years. But I just think. The, the there was a real feel good factor around the, the club last year um, with the takeover coming and we were flying we were top of the league going into going into the new year um, and I just think they really appreciated how I played you know I play with my heart in my sleeve and you know as a fan you know I'm a fan of Northern Ireland and, and all you can really ask for in a player is the to play with their whole heart and, and that's what I do um, you know chasing dead balls and, 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 and working my socks off and, and I think the Glens fans really appreciate that and I, and I loved, loved my time there and was really really sad to be leaving um, but you know that's football that's one of those things but certainly you know did I ever think I'd be playing for Glen Tour no but if I was to go to you know in 15 years go to a, a boxing day game you know, I, I would sit in the Glen Torn end because, you know, that's really how much the club's touched me. And what a tremendous way to mark your start at Glen Torn because I was just looking on your Twitter here and, of course, your home debut and you score your first senior hat-trick. Um, and it's yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah, it was amazing. Um, you know, I, I, I hadn't actually played the first few weeks of the season. We got beat on a Saturday. Um, 
had come off the bench and changed the game and, and we ended up coming back late and beating Ballymena 2-1 and then you know I started that Tuesday night against against Ballyclare and, and scored a hat-trick and I've done really well but then I think it sums up the story of my time there Glen Thorne is that uh you know, we I scored a hat trick on the Tuesday, and we played um, and should shoot the next game in, in the league. And I was on the bench, and that was just the start of of many disappointments for me when I thought I should have been playing, and I ended up being on the bench. Um, and you know, it's it's you know, it's manager's choice, and you know, I fully understand that and respect that. Um, but I think that that there, just the fact that I scored a hat trick on my home debut, and, and I didn't start the next game. Um, just probably sums up, you know, how my time at the Clans went, and that's not necessarily a bad thing or a knock. It just it, it is it symbolises, you know, you know how my time at Clintorn went. Mm. It's a competitive environment, isn't it? But you definitely had a big part to play in Clintorn's success last season, winning the Irish Cup, um, the journey for Clintorn, obviously winning the trophy. In the season that it was last year, obviously with the, the pandemic involved, you know, it was a really bizarre run of events. But nevertheless, to win silverware is still fantastic, isn't it? It was, it was incredible. It's, it's the best moment of my career um, to be able to do that. You know, playing are a huge club. And the only, only you know, uh, a grievance I have is that there wasn't, we weren't able to fill up family stand because we would have filled Windsor with, you know, 8,000 grand men, 10,000 grand men, yeah. no problem. And it would have been amazing just because of the story as well. There have been so long since Glenthorne have been successful. Um, and, you know, it's a shame the way the kind of season ended as well because I really feel that, you know, we could have made a run, although I think we, we took a dip in form after January. Mm-hmm. Um, but just the Irish Cup was just, it's, it's always been a special tournament to me and something that I've always really enjoyed playing in. And, you know, even the the first round against Portadown, and I had I won that. Uh, well, Mick McDermott mentioned on the, that's what I call football podcast recently that you were a, a big part of that. You got the the league guys that take the game to penalties. Yeah, well, uh, um, probably controversial be the best word to describe <laughs> the penalty that I won in the ninetieth minute. But you know, I mean, slowed down. It didn't look good, and, and the Portadown fans weren't weren't too happy with it, but. You know, I'm going for the ball and I, I turn my body to try and let the defender hit me and, you know, he does. Now, there might be minimal contact, but, you know, I'm a, I don't care. I'm a winner. Um, I would do that if I was playing for Portadown. I would have done the same thing and the Portadown fans would have been happy. Um, but, you know, that's it's a real, I scored down on extra time and just, that was a real special, special moment for me and a special part. Um, and, you know, Mick, Mix has said a few times and praised me for it a few times um, you know because obviously if we don't win that game we, we don't go on to win it it's just funny how those wee moments can happen um, but certainly winning that cup was, was one of the, the, the proudest moments of, of my life um, and you know hopefully hopefully I'll get a chance to win another one and to win leagues because um, it's addictive having that feeling of, of, of winning trophies um, and you know it's a shame but the way that the club's going with the full time setup and it's probably part of the reason why why I didn't get you know maybe what I feel is a fair crack last year um, and understandably so you know the club's going full time and and I, I couldn't fully fit into that um, but you know it's just one of those things mm-hmm. Is the full time part time debate going to take people like yourself maybe kind of out of things a little bit because you know obviously a young family you know, you've still got your job how difficult is it to commit to full time football? So I mean, I I gave an insane amount of commitment to Glen Torn last year, um, so I worked uh, the way. Now I couldn't have done it this year. I believe all their training has, has changed this 
year, which is probably part of the reason, you know, why I'm not there, um, which is fair enough, I'm no grievances with that whatsoever. But last year we would have trained, you know, at four o'clock um, in East Belfast. So I had, you know, I'm very grateful to my work and um, I'd agreed with some uh, an arrangement that I could leave, you know, three times a week at, at four o'clock. In pre-season we're doing four times a week, sometimes five nights a week. Um, and then just as the season went on, and especially during COVID, we were training four times a week. Um, mm-hmm. And that's a lot of commitment to, to go to work nine to five and then or nine to four, eight to four, and then straight to, to uh, you know, to training. But I loved playing for Lentorn, and I loved, um, you know, loved going to train. I had never any problems with that. Um, now, I did miss sessions. The boys would have done gym sessions in the morning. Um, but, you know, the the, the, the fitness coach for, for Lentorn is, is Mick's nephew, a guy called Sandy, who I actually knew very well anyway, and he's a PT. And I ended up paying him to take me in the mornings before work. Yeah. Um, to go to the gym, and I was going to the gym three mornings a week before work. So I, I gave everything to to be able to, to try and stay there and, and you know, get as much training as everybody else because I wanted to, and I was happy to give that commitment. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, well, you know, that's probably part of the reason. Part of the reason is maybe not good enough in the manager's eye, which is fair enough as well, if that's what he thinks. Um, no problems with that whatsoever. But I, I, it, it is tough. And to get back to your question, there is going to be people and there's going to be a transition period of, you know, some of the best players in the league right now are, are 27 years old and have jobs. Um, and they're, just, they're not going to go full-time. Exactly. If you look at Lynn, if you look at Linfield, you know the likes of Andy, Jimmy, um, Hawks, you know Jimmy, they've got jobs. They're not going to give up their jobs for full time football when they've only got two years there. Like Philip Lowry and, and and people like that, you know, some absolute yeah. class players. Yeah, so it'll just it'll take time. I think it's more of a gradual process. And um, you'll have teams like Ventor that are just going, you know, full whack right now. And you know that's fine. That that'll that'll work too. But I think it's easier for Ventor because Glen and Lauren because they they're they weren't starting off as being great teams. They're able to bring in a whole new squad, whereas Linfield have an existing you know title winning squad there. So it's not like they're just going to get rid of all their players that have won them league. So it'll be a bit more of a gradual process for them. And you know it's it's yet to be seen whether other clubs are gonna are gonna follow. Um, but you know, if, if you're if you're taking you know three, four teams that are going full time, um, there's still a heck of a lot of good players in this league that are part time. Um, and you know, it, it really wouldn't surprise me to see the likes of you know Colrain or Balamina teams that are full of part time players win the league. Um, you know, it wouldn't surprise me. I think that'd be you know very very typical of the RC for something like that to happen. Yeah, I know, absolutely. It's certainly been very interesting the last few seasons, especially the way that the Irish League has improved as a product. Let's talk about some of the key players at Glentorn that we've mentioned kind of throughout this podcast. Two in particular, Elliot Morris and your old uh, your old roommate uh, Naveed Naziri is obviously now at yeah. Linfield. Let's start chat about Elliot Morris to start with, because he's an absolute legend of Glentorn Football Club, isn't he? And I'll always remember for him for that goal in the windy day at Institute yeah. a seasons ago. Yeah. I mean, what a moment that yeah. was. He's a, he's a top, top pro, one of the nicest guys you can meet. And, you know, his passion for Glentorn is, is, is incredible. Um, and, you know, there's not, he is still the best goalkeeper at Glentorn today. Um, and, you know, obviously they're, they're going with other people, you know, with an eye in the future, which, which is 100%, you know, fair enough. But, you know, Elliot, played a key, key part in last year's Irish Cup you know I think he was 38 last year yeah. he saved the penalty in the semi-final and took us to the final and then you know he, he done well in the final as well um, and you know he's won an incredible amount of trophies uh, I actually you know uh, when I first went there you know I didn't really know anybody but I reached out to Elliot because he's very 
good friends with Carl Nixon, who obviously I knew, um, and himself and Moko, you know, really, you know, took a lot of time talking to me um, when I first got there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm really grateful for that. But yeah, he's a top pro and he, he drives the standards up um, within Grant Orton. And for the, the farm lads that are coming in, he makes sure they know, you know, what it means to play for Grant Orton. Yeah, absolutely. And Naveen Naziri, I mean, his trickery and wizardry on the ball has been sensational, not just for the Glens, but obviously for Linfield this campaign. <laughs> how do you feel he settled into the league? Because when he came in, I wasn't sure how he would get on, but he's really been impressive. He's he's the best player in the league. Um, no, really? I'm very good friend. Wow. I'm, I'm very good. I'm very good friends with him. Um, and you know, he probably hasn't hit the heights that he had at, had at Glen Torn at Linfield yet. Um, but he is technically, you know. When I think of the best players I've played with, you're probably talking like Kirk Miller and Stevie Fallon. Um, but Nav is just on a, on a different level. He's so sharp. He's so fit. Um, he looks after himself, and then he's just he, he's magic. And you know, the Irish League, you know, doesn't only attract players like that. Um, you know, you still got you know your Paul Heatley and, and players like that. But you know, I think Nav is just his ability to create something you know out of completely nothing. And he's, he's a huge, huge loss to Glen Torn. Um, and it was certainly one of, one of the craziest things that, that's happened, him signing um, after the, the Irish Cup win. Um, but yeah, so it was mental. But, you know, Nav's a, a top player. I, I lived with him, you know, all last year. Um, I, I've become very close with him. And still to this day, you know, we we'll talk every day. Um, and he's a real good lad with aspirations to go to go back across the water. And I think he, he is he's, he's more than good enough to get back across there. Um, but he, he, he's really settled in well in this league um, and definitely something different to what we're used to uh, but I still think Linfield have, have yet to see the best of him Yeah absolutely well it was a, a phenomenal accomplishment for Glentoran last season well, finish up talking about Mick McDermott I mean what have you made of him since he's come into the Glens because he's turned that club around hasn't he and, and really taken them up a couple of levels yeah, he, I mean, he's a breath of fresh air, and he, he's come in with, with different thinking. Um, he's not afraid. I know maybe he's not. Sorry, Johnny, he's not afraid to, to yeah. say what he thinks as well, which I think is very refreshing. No, not at all. Um, you know, Mick will tell you, tell the media what he thinks. He'll tell the players whatever it is he thinks. Um, he, you know, he'll call it how he sees it. And you know, he's very, he's an incredibly intelligent man, and especially with 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 football and. He, he's the first manager that is that has properly coached me, mm. um, as in literally like taking me into his office and, and sitting down with video. Um, now he did this at the start when I was playing. When I stopped playing, he didn't really do this as much. But uh, um, he took me in and showed me clips of things that I'm well and things I could have done better. Um, you know, those first six months I had there, he really helped me massively, and I really thought I was going to be there for for a long, long time, um, and and play under him for a long, long time because he, he really seemed to. Take a liking to me, um, but he he coaches everybody, and and you know I think the Glens fans are a little bit frustrated at the minute, and you know rightly so because you know they shouldn't be where they are in the league right now. Um, you know, but I have, I have faith that he'll be able to turn that turn that around. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we'll finish up by talking about your your time at the moment. You're at Carrick, um, currently um, playing under Niall Curry. I mean, what is it like playing for Niall? Because I've had Niall on my own show, and he's a very enthusiastic and really funny. Yeah, guy. what's he like? He's a, 
he's a great character and you know he really really cares about about Carrick um, and they have their way of playing and you know he, he sticks to it and I think that's great they've got an identity um, and you know everything we do in around training is, is, is geared towards the way he wants us to play um, and you know he, he is a, a massive asset to, to that club mm. and you know I wouldn't be surprised if, if a big club you know eventually comes comes calling for, for him mm. um, and he's certainly done a, a super job with, with them and you know he's put a lot of faith in me and, and I'm probably yet to repay that faith in him yet now it's been a very stop start season um, you know I missed two games against Grant Torn because I couldn't play I got injured and I missed a couple of I missed two games and then we've had so many games called off for COVID and, and for, for that um, and for frozen pitches but you know there's a, we have a lot of games to play now and we had another one that was called off you know uh, recently um, so we've, we have a lot of games playing now so I, you know uh, I will get a chance to kind of to repay his faith in me um, but no it's a really good it reminds me a lot of ours um, it's a really good family club um, it's a shame that the fans can't get in because it's such a it's such a weird season yeah. Um, but yeah I'm really enjoying my time there and I'm really enjoying that um, and you know yeah, I, I, who knows what will happen but you know, I'm really enjoying my time for, for this season What's the goal for Carrick this season? Because obviously it, it's now confirmed that the Championship and Intermediate Leagues won't play this season, so there's no, going to be no relegation. Does that give you guys almost like a bit of a, a freedom to kind of no, showcase what you can do, or is it kind of like the other? No, I think it's I think it's the opposite. You know, it's it's finish bottom. Okay, there's no relegation. It's embarrassing. You know, it's you don't want the finish bottom. It's a pride thing, and you know if if you know now and you know now how now has has work with his teams in the past you're playing for a future next season mm. um, you're potentially playing for you know a chance your only chance to be playing in the Irish League next year um, which you know we take for granted sometimes uh, certainly even if you're playing championship this year you end up not playing any football this year mm. so boys are playing you know there's there's almost more pressure because well there's not more pressure than the first relegation but boys are playing for their futures boys are playing to be in Niles plans you know next year mm-hmm. um, and, and a pride thing is you don't want to be that team that goes oh well they would have got relegated because yeah. it just ruins your confidence um, but I know, I know what you mean in terms of yeah there's a bit more freedom um, and you know hopefully we can uh, you know, make use of that and still go on a good run. But you know, we want to be finishing, you know, ninth, eighth in the league, and yeah. I, I think the squad's there to do that. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's what we want to do. And you mentioned obviously the frustration, not just with COVID, but weather and a range of other things that have, so far at least, as we're on us on the third of February. But Carrick, I think, have only played about eleven or twelve games so far this season, much less than the rest of the league. That must be so frustrating to be playing catch up. It is, you know, especially that something that's out of your hands. Yeah, so you know, I mean, the main reason I went to Carrick was was to was to play games I wanted to play um, every week because I'd went for a while without playing, and then just for the season we stop start like this. And I know it's the same for everybody, but we do we we've caught the worst end of the stick. We've had games called off with COVID, um, and then three with with matches being postponed. Uh, for for weather, and you know we have played the least games, and like you say, now we're playing catch up. Now we're playing Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, and um, a team at the bottom, you know, that can be difficult because you, know, you don't have the budget to have uh, a squad of twenty five, you know, uh, players that are all really, really, really good. Do you know what I mean? Um, but you know, Nal has done. He's been backed by the board. And he, we, we do. You know, I'm surprised at how big the squad is when I, when I compare to when I was at Arge, We had maybe like 13, 14 mm-hmm. first team players, and the rest were kids. And you know, now on a Saturday, we're leaving out you know 
four or five boys that, that are, aren't usual Irish League players. So I think Niles had one eye on that, like he's building the squad, the fact that we've got, you know, so many games to play catch up with. Um, but, you know, that's what, you know, we're very lucky in these times that we're able to get out of the house and play football. Most people most people are stuck in the house. Um, so I'm very grateful that I am able to get out of the house and play football. So the more football we have to play, you know, the better. And I'm sure now I'll make use of the squad. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a lot of really good players in that Carrick squad, is there? I'm a really big fan of guys like Keelan Lochran, uh, a guy who's really impressed me throughout this season. Um, you know, uh, certainly in Whitey, as you mentioned, Kyle Cherry, a teammate that you know quite well. You've obviously brought in recently Jordan Jenkins and Carter Friel. It's going to be very yeah. interesting to see how the, the sort of second half of the season goes for Carrick. And you know, as we get a couple of wins, it can bring comfort. Yeah, we've got we've got the players there um, to be able to, to you know to go on a run. They're just needing to buy into to the way that Niall wants us to play, um, and you know I think the identity that Carrick have had over the past couple of years is just being that hard working, really tough team to beat. You know they might have more ability, but nobody like work us, which which suits my game down mm. down to the ground. So that's kind of how, how I've went about my career is that you know people have more ability than me, but you know they won't work harder than me. So I think it's a good fit. You know myself at Carrick, but you know we've brought in a few new boys like you said you know competition for places which is another thing you know I'm certainly not guaranteed you know game time you know I have to you know bring my A game if I want to be playing um, and that's where it should be for, for everybody in the team um, and that, that can only breed you know better performances so you know I'm, I'm, I'm really confident that, that we're going to be able to go and run a run a games here and show that we're better than, than what the, the league says yeah absolutely I think you guys are very unfortunate to be where you are in the league and I, I certainly get that and let's hope by the time this goes out that Carl yeah. has propelled up the league that's for sure yeah. Johnny, Johnny we're coming to the end of the podcast we've chatted for over an hour there's been some really really good discussion in here some really good content in terms of obviously your career it's been very busy so far are you hoping now to have some sort of settled structure now you obviously have a, a family now is the time yeah. now to, to spend a good period of time at a club like Carrick and, and maybe try and build a reputation there to, to see to be honest you know I, I never I never ever wanted this where you know I mean I'm, I'm 24 and I've played for seven clubs now that sounds worse than this you know a few of them were were loans when I was only you know a young kid um, and you know I, I could have stayed at Glentorn this year I just I, I would have played three games so um, you know I wanted to get out get out and play I, I don't want to be the person that's known as a journeyman you know I don't want to come to the end of my career I, I don't want someone to say you know oh, Johnny Fraser who do you play for and then just to start you know naming off off uh, off teams or be like Johnny Fraser oh he played for such and such and have somewhere that I can have you know the, the team that I played for now I really enjoy my t- my time at Carrick um, you know I, I can see myself being there you know for a while if, if it's if it's right for both clubs but yeah like you said I, would, I just want to find a home now hmm. um, you know I've, I've bounced around for a while um, some of it you know my own fault with, with you know not putting in the performances that, that were required of whatever club it was that was at and some of it just kind of like bad luck um, but yeah I just want to get settled and, and just you know become be, be in the same place for a while it was something everyone with the way the way that they're doing I'm always hungry to play football um, but I want to win as well and I want to I want to be successful so you know for me I'm not, I'm not really thinking about my my next move if there is a next move um, or if I'll stay here you know at, at the end of the day I need to start 
um, you know, performing at, at, at Carrick, which, you know, to be fair, probably hasn't happened yet um, to the levels that, you know, I expect of myself. So, you know, that's the first step. And then, you know, I, I, I could see myself being at Carrick and playing under now because um, I really find, you know, I really enjoy the club and, and there's some great people around there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I really hope it goes well for you at Carrick. Last question for you because I really want to yeah. test your ideas on, uh, on opponents you've come up against. Who's been your toughest opponent you've come up against? So, Philip Sandros, actually. Really? So, um, yeah. So, how did you end up you know, so against him? So, I played in Jamie Mulgrew's testimonial um, against Rangers, something, you know, 78,000 people. And probably my best game in a Linfield shirt, which just, you know, typical. I came in a, in a friendly that it didn't matter. Um, but I, Kirk Miller got, got injured after 10 minutes, and I came off the bench and I played up front. And the back two were uh, Rob Kiernan and, and Philip Senderos. Um, you know, I'm an Arsenal fan, and Senderos was was by all means a turkey when he played for 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 Arsenal. Um, and you know, you watch him on TV, you think you know he's rubbish, and then when you actually get to playing against him, you know he, he was unbelievable. I'll never forget. Philip Sanderos Christ turned me and I fell over and it's like I can never I can never slobber about like a Premier League footballer being rubbish again because like Sanderos Christ turned me and I, and I, and I fell over but that was amazing I'm so, I'm so great foolish that day playing against James DeBernier Joey Barton Nico Cranshaw Kenny Miller um, and that's a top top memory for me playing against those boys yeah yeah, fantastic story to finish up. It's been a, a really captivating chat, and I really hope that your career goes from strength to strength. And more importantly, I hope you and your family uh, really build a, a great relationship over the coming years because it's fantastic, great news. Once again, congratulations yeah. on becoming a dad recently, Johnny. Thanks for coming on Campbell's Fools and sharing with your story so far. Good luck to you. For thank you, thank you very much. A pleasure. We'll do it again. Well, listener, that brings us to the end of yet another episode of Campbell's Footballs. I hope this podcast was just what the doctor ordered. If you want to listen to previous shows or look out for future shows, follow Campbell's Footballs on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts or wherever you listen to other podcasts. You can also follow the show on Facebook at Campbell's Footballs. Search for me, StatoG91 on Instagram or other social media channels. But until then, until next time... I hope you enjoyed the crack and enjoy Campbell's footballs. What a dangerous night.